show for you today. The mantra of Indigo has been to tell stories untold, mistold, and need to be retold. And today we check all the boxes. We tell a tale of a Chicago history. Harriet Jones is the granddaughter of Ed Jones, and she wanted the real story of her grandfather to be known. He was the king of kings, and hers is a documentary that premieres at the Chicago International Film Festival. My father, Edward Jones, he was a gentleman. He was just a good person. He took a nickel and dime operation and he built an empire. They made about 110, 115 million dollars, which was equivalent to about a billion dollars then. I would have to call them the Robin Hoods of Chicago during the Depression because they took care of the people. Seeing the success of people like Ed Jones, we were inspired. The door was going to be open. Be ready to walk in. Black people were not admitted to the Cotton Club, but my father was well known at that moment, and so they let him in. My mother was part of the chorus. She was roommate with Josephine Baker. People admired her so much in France, and in the States, she was just another black person. She did not like the characterization of her grandfather, and she did something about it. It's in the documentary that we will share with you today. Nate Thompson, well, he is an author, author of a book, Kings. It's a story of a game, a numbers game, policy that is the precursor of what we recognize today as the lottery. This is a story you've not heard or you have misheard. And I want you to go get your mom and your granddad and gather around, because we're going to tell you a story about Mr. Ed Jones. Cozy conversations, drop the knowledge that's for Harriet, thank you for being with us all the way from Petty. Thank you for having me. Glad you came to Chicago, and welcome. You did it, and congratulations. It's such a beautiful film that you've done. Why was it important for you to tell the story of Ed Jones? It was very important for me to tell this story because it's an untold story, like you just mentioned it. The fact that uh, even within my family, my mother never talked about it. I mean, she did talk about her father saying what an amazing man he was but she never talked about his legacy, about his work, about the fact that he went to jail, he had been kidnapped. I mean, it's such an amazing and rich story, full uh, of uh, roller coaster rides, things you can't even believe, and everything is true. So for me, it was very important to tell this story, not only for my family, but also for Chicago, because it's a Chicago story. It's a Chicago story. And it's an American story. And it's a South Sides 
Chicago's divorce. Southside, Michelle, Michelle put it on the map, didn't she? <laughs> so, Nate, describe the game of policy. It's a numbers game, but how did it come about? Where did it come from? How did it start in Chicago? Well, it started in Chicago with a man named Sam Young, otherwise known as Policy Sam. He came up from the South, from Alabama in 1885, landed in Chicago with his street corner hustle called Policy. Later, he hooked up with the Benvenuti brothers and they turned it into a business. Fast forward to Ed Jones, he turned it into a corporate business. Okay, an empire. Yes. Okay, how does the game work? So when you're playing policy, you have what is called the one-legged book and the two-legged book. The one-legged book is one stream of numbers, two-legged book, two streams of numbers. So you can literally pick double-digit combinations for your numbers, 12, 16, 64, what have you. So there's about maybe 15 different ways you can win. There's all kinds of bets. There's the gig, there's the stovepipe, there's the saddle, there's lots of different bet combinations. And what's the rate, what's the, what's the return on investment? Well, depending on what decade and how high the police involvement was, sometimes a nickel could pay off $5, sometimes a nickel could pay off $100. Okay, okay, depending. depending. Had some, it had some contingency yes. factors. Okay, so the South Side was the place to be in this era. What years are we talking about? We're talking about, okay, so when Policy Sam landed here, this was in 1885. A couple of years later, he hooks up with the Benvenuti brothers. Now, when we get to the Jones brothers, it was actually the baby brother, Mac, who went into the policy business first, working for another guy who operated a shop across the street from their tailor shop. This would be in the 1920s. The migration comes. So the great migration comes, so we got great numbers of black people coming from the South to settle in Chicago. South Side is bustling. Yes, it is. Okay, tell me about the South Side in those days. South Side of Chicago is where most of them landed. Chicago was offering jobs. So we had Robert Abbott at the Chicago Defender newspaper trumpeting the call to leave the South, come to Chicago. We got it going on. Mm -hmm. Jobs, respect, money, all that. So the jobs are at the steel mill? Jobs, jobs are at lots of places. Lots jobs of places. at steel mill, you know, there's lots of domestic jobs. There's all kinds of jobs. Stockyards. Stockyards, all kind of domestic work, some factories. But now understand, a lot of people came to Chicago with the idea that they were going to get into the policy business. Ah. These were things that they heard about before they left the South. Okay. A lot of them knew exactly what they were going to do when they got here. Okay, so Harriet, your father's in this business. It is a business, and he's doing very, very well, very, very successful. But one of the things that's not told or you don't hear a lot about with Jones Brothers is they were a bank. They were the lenders. Black folks can't go to the bank. We can't get a loan. We can't open up a beauty shop. We can't right. open up a restaurant. That's right. But you could go to the Jones Brothers and you could get a loan. Talk about that aspect of Ed Jones. Well, that's the thing. My grandfather and other policy kings actually uh, really did win a lot of money, but they reinvested their money into the community. Key word, reinvested. 
Absolutely, and that's what's so great about it because he allowed many students, for instance, to go to law school, to go to medical schools. He put a lot of money on Joe Lewis, the boxer, into the Chicago Crusaders, who after became the Harlem Club Trotters. Uh, he allowed a lot of businesses, legitimate businesses, to open. And that's why uh, the South Side Bronzeville was such a thriving community in the 30s and 40s. So not Bronzeville yet, the Black Belt. The Black Belt, the South Side, mm -hmm. absolutely. The South Side of Chicago. So it's flourishing. We got clubs, we got theaters, we got boutiques, we got haberdasheries, we got jewelry you stores. You have professional people, you have doctors, mm -hmm. you have lawyers, you have dentists. Mm -hmm. On down the list, wherever you can find a legitimate occupation in this country, you will find that same occupation in the policy business. Don't go away, we'll be right back with more about policy in Chicago. How dependable is your power? As dependable as 2 a.m. wake-up calls, grandpa showing up an hour early, and perfect timing. Because you can count on ComEd to keep the lights on and keep you informed. So your electric service is as dependable as sleepless nights. In all of Chicago, there's no place like Wicked. So if you care to find me, look to the western sky. Don't miss your chance to defy gravity at the Needlelander Theater from September 28th through December 4th. NBC Nightly News calls it the most successful Broadway show ever. Visit broadwayinchicago.com to get wicked. Our goal is to see you become effective leaders. To support your passions. And help your community. So whether you're pursuing an undergraduate degree or transferring from another school, our goal our goal, our goal, is to see you accomplish yours. Cozy conversations, dropping knowledge that's for real. Let's fast forward. Mr. Jones leaves Chicago, moves to Paris, 1937. Why? 1937 is the year that they opened the Ben Franklin store. The Ben Frank Franklin store is a very important department store, so African Americans could be able to buy all the things they couldn't have access to. And he's going to move to Paris because he wanted to put his three children in a really good school, and of course, because of segregation, they were turned down. So I think that was one more thing that said enough with this discrimination. And he decided to move to Paris, where my grandmother used to live in the early 1920s when she was a dancer at La Revue Negre. She used to dance with Josephine Baker. So she knew Paris. She really loved the fact that they could go anywhere there. And the racism was totally eliminated. It's not totally eliminated because, of course, I mean, it's totally different. Over there, uh, African Americans could go absolutely wherever they wanted. I can't say that discrimination didn't exist at all. I'm sure it does have existed in other forms, but not at all like in the U.S. 
Okay, so now you come back, your grandfather comes back to the States, to Chicago, because World War II uh, broke out and the Nazis took over the apartment that they lived in. Well, that's pretty amazing. It was one of the headquarters of the Nazis because the apartment was a really beautiful apartment. And I mean, uh, the Nazis, the SS, had many headquarters and that was one of them. So that's pretty wild. So that's why they left in 1939, of course, when World War II broke out and they came back to Chicago. So Nate, here's a, here's a budding question. Why was policy illegal? It's just, it's just a numbers game. What was the illeg illegality? I mean, when it comes down to something like that, you're talking about the private sector generating revenue that the government is not. The government can't have that. Very much like cannabis just, today. Exactly. It's Very exactly much what like it is. liquor exactly. prohibition. Exactly. I mean, none of this stuff is new. It's that old, literally. Mm -hmm. And in the case of African Americans, there was never a time where we were going to be allowed to take the lead. Mm -hmm. So that's what that was about. Was it really black organized crime? In the sense that it was illegal, it becomes a crime. All right. Now, we got politicians involved. Mm -hmm. We got preachers involved. Mm -hmm. Give me that connection between policy, the preacher, not the minister, the preacher, and the police, and city hall. Money. Plain and simple. You're talking about the depression years, and you're also talking about the fact that Chicago was a global mecca for gamblers, period, no matter what your race was. So people come to Chicago, one way or another, had an idea in their head that they were going to get paid. Is this, is this um, Al Capone era? This is pre during and post Al Capone era. Pre, during, and post. Exactly. And Al Capone is doing no more than trying to sell liquor. Al Capone got here working for his uncle. They're selling liquor. liquor. And in that business, in that world, you can't trust anybody. On that side of the fence, it's more about the money and less about, you know, they talk about all this honor and, and, and you know, respect. None of that's happening. The politics and the corruption, you could not separate them. That's just what it was about. It was together. You know, when you start breaking down the ethnic groups that arrived in Chicago and began to progress for themselves, the Irish, the Italians, and so forth, these are the things that they left Europe with. Harriet, fast forward. Your grandfather goes to jail. Tell me about the jail period and what happened and how he changed. Well, he's going to go to jail in 1940. When he comes back from Europe, the IRS is going to go after him, and he's going to be uh, convicted for income tax evasion. At the beginning, it was him and his two brothers and also his mother. But he decided that he was going to take the plea on his own and that he would go alone, so he, did, he bargained with the, with the government, so he would be the only one who would go to jail. He spent there two years, and that's where he's, he met Sam Giancana. It's such a pity because that's when he's going to tell that Italian gangster all the money that was being made in the south side of Chicago with the policy business. So, of course, the gangsters, the mob, which is called the outfit here in Chicago, were looking for new venues to make more money now that prohibition was over since uh, 1933. And when they heard all that money that was being done in the South Side, mm -hmm. they were like, mm -hmm. amazed. And that was Sam? That the, was the Sam. The gangster in, in the Sam Giancana. Yeah. Sam Giancana. Sam Giancana is going to become 
actually uh, everybody knows about Al Capone, but Sam Giancana is going to be so powerful, he's going to become the boss of the outfit. And eventually down the line, he's going to give a lot of money for the election of JFK. He's going to be the one working, of course, with Joseph Kennedy. He's going to be working with the CIA, uh, with the big uh, in Cuba, with the casinos, etc. Eventually, he's going to get uh, shot in 1975. But his trajectory is absolutely uh, amazing. And he said in the book that was written by his son and uh, his uh, brother that he became who he became thanks to his encounter with Edward Jones right. in prison. Wow. So you talk in the movie about the one drop factor. Talk about the one drop factor and how, how you interpret that. Well, the one drop rule, uh, it's, uh, of course, it was a racist law which said at the time that anyone who had one drop of African-American blood, of uh, sub-Saharan blood, uh, basically was considered black and when if you're considered black you lose most of your rights and most of your opportunities. So for me that was very important because I have two children, uh, they're Parisians, they're very French, they look extremely white and I'm trying, I was trying for them to understand that if they had grown up in the time of segregation basically they would have not been allowed to go to restaurants, to uh, nightclubs, because that's the age, to a lot of the schools. They would have been diff very difficult for them to vote, uh, to get good jobs, to go to good schools, good universities, etc. So the rent trap rule is really something that goes throughout the film because it not only symbolizes that uh, law, but it also symbolizes, of course, the blood that runs through all our veins. I have a very extended family, mm -hmm. and so since we spread all over the world, so that's the connection with Edward Sean. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Indigo Studio. conversations, drop the knowledge that's for real. Indigo Studio. How dependable is your power? As dependable as 2 a.m. wake-up calls. Grandpa showing up an hour early. And perfect timing. Because you can count on ComEd to keep the lights on and keep you informed. So your electric service is as dependable as sleepless nights. In all of Chicago, there's no place like Wicked. Don't miss your chance to defy gravity at the Needlelander Theater from September 28th through December 4th. NBC Nightly News calls it the most successful Broadway show ever. Visit broadwayinchicago.com to get wicked. Our goal is to see you become effective leaders. To support your passions. And help your community. So whether you're pursuing an undergraduate degree or transferring from another school, our goal, our goal, our goal is to see you accomplish yours. Cozy conversations, drop the knowledge that's for real. 
the white gangster, Sam Giacani, when he takes over the policy, does it change? I mean, is it a difference in the game? The only or? difference is that the money is now leaving the black community and it is now landing in the coffers of the Italian mob and their families. So are they still lending money to no. black proprietors? Okay, all of that All that's away. over. All that's over. Okay. In the early 1950s, that's this when they managed to mm -hmm. When they killed Ted Rowe in 1952, yeah. that was the Jones Brothers lieutenant. So let's talk about Ted Rowe. Okay. So the Jones Brothers, they leave Chicago? Well, they're back and forth. They're back and forth. They're back and forth. To Mexico? To Mexico and to Paris. Okay. And so now we've got an uh, operating officer, mm -hmm. and that is? Ted Rowe. Ted Rowe. Okay. So then what happens? Well, Ted Rowe is the last holdout in the larger story, in the overarching story. He was a Jones Brothers lieutenant. He was a man that ran the day-to-day -day operations of the business. He was half Italian, half black. Mm -hmm. Wasn't taking nothing from nobody. Okay, now is this is where the whole idea of the gangster comes in. Mm -hmm. Where Ed Jones is called a gangster, you resent that, mm -hmm. you don't like that, but there you was... He was not a gangster. He was not a gangster. Policy kings, let's be clear, there were some black gangsters everywhere. But these policy kings we're talking about, they were not gangsters, they were racketeers. The difference, a gangster uses the gun to get what he wants. The racketeer uses the gun to protect what he has. Wow. How much money are we talking about? I mean, we're saying in riches, time, we're saying empires. What's the, what's the dollars In like? the real time, at the height of the national business, you're looking at $200 million annually. And in today's, that's $200 million yesteryear. In, so yeah. in today's money, that translates to? Mm, a billion or better. So Quincy Jones says, his Quincy Jones, Chicagoan, mm -hmm. born, raised till about 10, 11, 12 years old in Chicago. And his father worked for the Jones brothers. He was the carpenter. And Quincy says, Ed Jones was a gangster. All right, now react, respond to that. And the way you look at it, it was just, he just had a job, People right? think if you have a gun, you're a gangster. Having a gun got a lot of gangsters running around. a gangster. Okay, Again, what makes you a gangster? that you use the gun to get what you want. That's what makes you a gangster. You walk into any joint, I walked into this room, I want every camera, I want every tripod in here, and here's my pistol in case anybody has anything to say about it. I'm, I'm leaving with That's it. That's a gangster, I'm taking what I want, and this is what's gonna help me do it. The, okay. I think the reason also why they were talking about gangsters, it was the fact that at that time the game was illegal. When it became legal, we're not talking about gangsters anymore once the whites took it over. But the whole thing of gangstership, I agree with Nathan. For me, they were racketeers. When uh, in the film, for instance, at one point, Robert Lombardo, who used to be a cap in Chicago, he said that the policy kings used to mind their own businesses. It was just the gambling, and that was it. If you think of the mob, the outfit, it was prostitution, mm -hmm. later on it was drugs, they were doing bank robberies, Everything. they were doing a lot of horrible things, which was never the case with policy kings. Like uh, Nathan said, a few, uh, I think Walter Kelly perhaps was a real gangster, but actually the others minded their own business. So fast forward, policy becomes legal. Mm -hmm. And it becomes what we recognize today as the lottery. How does that happen, Nate? First, 
when it was taken from us, the government allowed the mob to run it for 20 years without interference before it became the state lottery. That is very important to point out. The takeover of policy from black Americans happened in concert with local police, sheriffs, state's attorney's police. Politicians. IRS. I mean, we're talking about a long list of various levels of law enforcement that collectively worked in concert to bring these guys down. Not just Chicago, from one state to the next. So was policy in other cities? Yes. Major urban cities? Wherever you had a major black metropolis, you had policy and numbers. Detroit, so New York, etc. in the big New cities. New York, Detroit, yeah. all of Los those. Angeles, all of, those all of the urban cities. Okay, yeah. how do we get to the legalization of policy? We get to the legalization when it becomes the lottery. Nationwide, the government, there is never a time when we are not under the microscope of the United States government. Black people. Black people. Black On business people That's particularly. Business people, non-business people. If you are black, you are under the microscope, period. That's just it. So when you look at the progress that these men were making, so these guys are generating millions of dollars. They're not just buying Cadillacs and fur coats. They are building hospitals, medical centers. They are investing in medical professionals. They're investing in lawyers. Don King even once said, there are a whole lot, no, he said there's an awful lot of doctors and lawyers that got their start in the numbers business. Well, one thing, I, I, I was telling somebody this, one of the investments was a man named Joe Lewis. That's right. Absolutely. Joe Lewis was a right. heavyweight champion of the world and quite a few world. others like him. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Sports, the national, we had football, we had basketball, we had all of the same things that we were discriminated against, discriminated from, we went out and built them So ourselves. this is the Negro... Uh, Negro Baseball League, baseball Negro league. Basketball League, Negro Football League, all of these things were in the progress of being financed. Some of them made it, some of them didn't. But all of these things were happening in real time. This is where the money was going. So the money was really being dispersed the money was in the being black dispersed. community, in the black community, we were building what we needed. We were building our own businesses. We were providing our own jobs. We did not have to go to white people for money when we wanted to run for political office. We were self-contained. That's the part that has been left out of the history books. Mm -hmm. They just want you to think about the ropes that are around our necks and the water hoses that were being blown on us and the dogs that were attacking us. So tell me about uh, State Representative Caldwell State and what Representative his role was. Caldwell. He wanted to legalize policy. This is at a time when lottery is coming online from state mm -hmm. to state. Mm -hmm. But they were clear. Lou Caldwell, Harold Washington, that whole league of black political professionals. This is Harold Washington as a fresh freshman state That's rep. right. Mm -hmm. They all because they came up in this. They all grew up in Bronzeville. Their Harold Washington's father was an attorney who represented many policy kings. Okay. So, they introduced the bill to make policy legal. Mm -hmm. And then the government didn't the government legalize laughed. it, but they, they laughed, but then they came up with the, the game. The government said, nice try, but we're still taking this. Okay, and that's how we got and lottery. that's what's been happening ever since. Wow. Nate, you got, a, you got a movie on the, on, the, uh, on the horizon. Yes, I do. And it's just going to be about the policy it's kings. It's going to be about the policy kings, about Chicago, about the Jones brothers, 
Quincy and I have been working on this for a very, very long time. So one of the things I want to point out about both of your projects, your book, your movie, is that they were self-financed. You mm -hmm. didn't wait for Simon & Schuster, and you didn't wait for MGM to come, but you did. These stories were so important that you took it upon yourself to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Nate Thompson. Thank you. Thank you, Harriet Thank Jones. You. Thank you for doing the story, and I hope we've set the record straight. You today have had a black perspective an authentic perspective of what the game of policy was and how we got lottery. Thanks for watching. I'm Hermine Hartman with Indigo Studio. Sit back and relax. Educate and inform. Cozy conversations, dropping knowledge that's for real. Indigo Studio, always in the know. With Hermine Hartman, you'll be enlightened. Monday.